Welcome to the Not Last Podcast, Season 1, Episode 12. I'm your host, Andrew Neil Nunez. Today's topic is titled, Winter Training. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. First off, uh, apologies for the two-week hiatus between uh, the last episode. Um, This will be the final episode in the first season before... Uh, I start to make some changes and kind of um, line up some things for what I want to do for season two. I think this this is a good good stopping point um, to wrap up the first season. Uh, we'll talk more about that later on in this episode. But I uh, just wanted to kind of give an update for what's been happening in the last two weeks. Um, I was poised and ready to uh, uh, record this episode. However, I was helping my my best friend move his workshop into a new house and a new um, new uh, new space. And long story short, he ended up in the hospital with a fractured skull, and that was not the weekend that I had planned or any of us had planned. And I uh, spent the last couple of days uh, after that, uh, kind of caring for him and watching watching out for him and, and doing that. So uh, he will make a full recovery. He is uh, slowly getting back on the bike and everything will be fine, but it was uh, quite a shocker to have to do some emergency triage and, um, and, uh, and have something like that happen that uh, should have been a pretty calm and uneventful weekend. So that was two weeks ago, and then this last weekend was just spending the weekend uh, getting caught up and, and kind of decompressing from that. Um, so, uh, so, <laughs> so here we are. Um, I will also say that I had planned to record this yesterday, um, and I'd planned to record it the day before. Today is, uh, Sunday. I'd planned to record this on, on Friday and Saturday, but I was waiting for kind of, I think the, I think everyone was waiting for what these election results would, uh, would be. And I do believe that collectively we can take a deep breath and have a sigh of relief. Um, I don't know about you listening to this, but I didn't realize just how stressed I've been probably since 2016 when Cheeto Head stepped up to the plate. But um, yeah, uh, the last couple days, the last week especially, have been have been really stressful, and and I didn't really uh, recognize that until until yesterday. So. I'm very excited. I'm very excited for um, for Joe Biden as our president-elect, and also very, very excited uh, for Kamala Harris as our our first woman biracial uh, uh, vice president. Um, and so many more monuments with that and her at the helm. So that I'm very excited for. Um, anywho, I. <laughs> I digress from from the premise of this podcast, um, but I figured I would say that uh, not to, again to get too political. But um, I hope you are all happy for this result. And if you are not happy for this result, uh, one, you are probably not listening to this podcast. But if you are listening to this podcast, um, I do believe what. Uh, what President-elect Biden said in his in his uh, in his speech yesterday about working together and trying to find common ground and um, 
and, and getting everyone on the same page uh, to, to move forward and heal. Because I do think there's a lot of healing to be done. So that being said, um, I have been training a lot. I have been struggling with my training, not with a lack of motivation, because the weather has been relatively good uh, up until yesterday when I got caught in a complete and utter deluge with no fenders on my bike. I've been pushing, just kind of seeing how long I could ride without fenders, and well, yesterday was um, <laughs> was end game scenario. Uh, I was I lost all body temperature coming home, and it would just kind of f- fight to survival to get back into the garage, and then spent. 20 minutes on the trainer, uh, just spinning out and just trying to warm up, uh, warm up again. But I've been training a lot. Um, and what I have been struggling with is, like I said, not, not the actual sessions, not the work. I enjoy the work. I like the process, but without any race racing to have happened in 2020, um, I've had no chance to prove myself. And that's, that's something that is very important to me. Um, and is part of my outlet as a cyclist and as, as a competitive athlete is that I like the opportunity to try and go out, have a dig and, and try and, and, and prove myself. But I didn't get that this year. So struggling a lot with this kind of imposter syndrome and, and second guessing my abilities and, and really trying to focus on trusting the process and believing in my new coach who I've really been enjoying. He's given me some great workouts and I've seen some good improvements, um, I hope he's, <laughs> he's, I hope he's pleased with my improvements as well, but we'll find out later. I am still working very hard on kind of changing my current reality with, uh, and, and replacing it with my desired reality, something that gives me more flexibility on my schedule for travel and racing. While I know travel and racing is not really happening right now, um, I do expect that it's going to happen in the future into this 2021 season. So I'm trying to make changes now that um, that way I'll be ready come spring, which really isn't that far away. So the the work is still continuing, still working hard, and and trying to change that that current reality into what what my desired reality is. Um, part of this process, uh, for me at least, is has been crafting this episode and. It's, it's felt kind of final. I think it's a good bridge to kind of end this season on um, because next season we're going to do, I'm, I'm ex- intending to do um, maybe less frequent, maybe instead of weekly, maybe once every two weeks sort of posting, however, doing longer episodes. And I've lined up uh, several interviewees to come in and, um, and, and talk talk with me and and share some of their perspective and some of their stories. Um, And I'm reaching out to some more people. I am also hoping um, I can maybe do some cross-promoting with some other podcasts if um, they're able and interested and willing to to do that with me. So there's some things that I'm working on. I think this is a good transition time with the seasons, um, with a new president-elect and vice president-elect. And we'll We'll, we'll end this, um, this season um, talking about winter training. So the winter is here. If you haven't noticed, we've rolled the clocks back. And, um, oh, man, getting dark at 5 o'clock is rough, and it's only going to get worse. So I have 
made a list of things. We'll talk about some some mental aspects. We'll talk about some gear today. We're going to talk about uh, a variety of topics, all relating to kind of winter training and how to get through the winter. As either someone who is who identifies as an athlete, as a student athlete, or who identifies as somebody who is on a fitness journey. Um, where they they want to try and get through uh, a winter. And, and that can be really, I think, demoralizing for a lot of people. It's easy to ride in the summertime when it's it's warm and pleasant and you can just go outside and enjoy the sunshine, get a little sunburnt, have a good time. But it's hard to ride through the grind of winter. So first item on the list is to work on, and this is a great skill to practice, is the skill of compartmentalization. And having that ability to compartmentalize is, for me at least, key to getting through the winter. I don't try and look at, okay, well, it is November now, it's November 7th now, and I have to get to May, or I have to get to March. And it's like November, December, January, February, March. Oh God, and I have to keep going still because it's probably still rainy, especially if you live on the West Coast. So April, May, June is when we start to see the nicer weather. Oh my God, it's so far away. And instead of getting all worked up over this and, and all of this this huge insurmountable amount of training that I have to do, suddenly it becomes not fun and not very um it's hard to see the, the the micro actions of, well, what does it what does it matter if I if I work out now versus something I'm going to have to do in June or, or May? Like, well, why even bother now? So there's there's all this cause to to just kind of slip off the wagon and 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 fall back into into lazy habits or or, or poor poor uh, poor habits. Um, so instead of looking at that, work. On what I do is is I work on really zooming in and zooming in and zooming in until I can only see that one day's worth of, of of effort to do one session at a time, and that's what I take it at. For the last seven weeks in a row, I've averaged um, some weeks better than others. Granted, I've, the last two weeks were a little rough and spotty for training; I didn't get much in. But I've averaged almost twelve hours a week on training. Normally, I'm fifteen to sixteen hours a week on training. And I can hold that volume pretty well. And that is also managing a 40-hour week job. So, and life and everything else. And um, yeah, so if I can do this, I'm a busy person. You can certainly do this too. And you will just be an equally busy person. And that's a good thing. But I've averaged uh, about 12 hours a week of training. So the way that I get through this is is looking at one day at a time. I look at the weather. I decide if I'm going to ride indoors or outdoors. And I say, okay, when I wake up in the morning, I'm up at five. I'm on the bike by six or 6.30. And I'm either indoors or outdoors. I get my session done, 6.30 to 8.30. Um, I usually get an hour and a half, hour 45. Uh, no, I take that back. I usually get about two hours of, of total training time um, a day. And then longer rides on the weekends. And again, I... This is this is simply what I do. This isn't something that you have to do. It's it's just entirely dependent on where you're at in this in this journey and, and in this process. But hopefully you can you can extrapolate that and, and apply this to you. So I look at that singular workout on that one day. And then when I'm done with that workout, the next immediate thing I do is I look at how do I recover? 
what is my recovery? And it's usually a snack. Be sure to eat within 15 to 30 minutes after your, your session. And then, um, and then I move on with the rest of my day. And then suddenly I'm back to looking at the next day's workout when it comes time and it's indoor or outdoor. All right. Well, it's sleeting outside and it's 30 degrees. So we're riding inside. Um, it's, it's these, these small little milestones that I tick off one at a time. And that's really key. Instead of looking at these large goals, suddenly I've done, you know, seven straight weeks of, of pretty good quality, pretty mid moderate volume training. Um, and, and it's just done and it's taken care of. And that's how I get through the winter, one at a time. I look at, okay, well, if it's going to be nice in the morning on my long ride on the weekend, then I'm going to ride in the morning. If it's nice in the afternoon, then I'm going to spend the morning with, with, uh, with my wife and my kitties, and I will ride in the afternoon and pick the best time. And so then I can kind of enjoy it as much as I can, just one session at a time. The next thing I, I would also do getting off of the compartmentalization and and looking at these, you know, singular, look at the, looking at this, these facets, uh, singularly, just one at a time is also telling you to be very flexible and open, um, with your weekly plan. So on top of looking at the day to day, just the singular effort, I look at the week as a whole, just very quickly and I look at that and compare that to what my weekly schedule looks like. And I compare that to what the weather is going to be and decide if I need to, okay, well, this is a, it's better if I do a longer day on Saturday instead of Friday, because Saturday is going to be a nicer day and Friday is just going to pour rain. So I'm going to do Friday inside and then Saturday I'll be outside or, or what have you. Or I've got, you know, um, an appointment or I have a meeting or I have something I have to do or Lauren and I are having a date night, um, and we're going to make a fancy dinner. And so I'm going to be, you know, uh, uh, there and present for, for our time together. So I, I beg you, I encourage you, especially in the wintertime, to stick to your volume, but also allow yourself the flexibility to maybe you skip a day. It's not ideal, but uh, but if it's better for your day-to-day life, it's better for um, for the long-range outcome, then skip it. And know that you're just going to um, add that to the aggregate at the end of the year. Another thing that we have um, some great fortune here living in Eugene, Oregon, or in the Willamette Valley, um, is that our weather allows us, while it is quite dreary and rainy and wet, it is never so bad, mm, rephrase that, it is rarely never so bad that you can't ride outside almost every day of the week all year round. We do get like a, a couple of days of snow, usually an ice storm that comes through for a week. But that that aside, we don't have really, really harsh winters. Um, and so with some, some good fenders and some good rain gear um, and uh, a good selection of coffee and tea back at home that you can make uh, very quickly, um, you can ride outside almost year round. And I, I make that a goal. I make it a goal to get outside as much as possible. Um, a, and even sometimes if it's, you know, if I'm out uh, or I'm looking at my week and it's just going to be easier to ride indoors for this week and I'm just going to accept that and I'm flexible. Remember, we're flexible. So 
I ride indoors for most of the week and then I treat myself to a big outdoor session and I enjoy my time outside, even if it is like from the moment you leave, uh, from the moment I leave the garage uh, with my bike, it is pouring rain and I'm soaked in five minutes and I'm out for, for three or four hours. Even then, I still look at that as this is my treat to myself to be outside because I, I was so good and I spent the whole week indoor doing my training and I'm going to get a good quality, um, I call it the the big boy workout or the hard man's workout. It's my Belgium workout where you just grit your teeth and get it done. I hold on very tightly to this idea that your medals are earned in the winter and they are collected in the summer. And I really hold on to that, especially this winter and especially in the, the last several winters when racing has been eh, okay and plans have really fallen through. But what I can control, um, not much, but what you can control and what I can control is my training quality, my training volume, and how committed I am to this process. And I am so overtly committed to this process of training and trying to qualify and trying to, to reach these big goals that I really hang on tight to this idea that your medals are earned in the winter and they are collected in the summer. And so these winter sessions can, you know, lately they felt like Groundhog's Day. It's, um, it's, it's <laughs> wake up at five, breakfast from five to six on the bike, or breakfast from five to 5.30 on the bike by six or 6.30, um, train to 8.30, home, shower, second breakfast, um, yeah, second breakfast. That's awesome. Uh, second breakfast and then work all day, work for eight hours. I'm on my feet, dealing with customers, fixing bikes, uh, solving problems. And then I'm home and I am off my feet, but, and then, uh, (laughs) then brush your teeth, take out contacts, go to bed, Uh, dinner's in there somewhere, snuggle with cats, play with cats, spend time with wife and repeat again at 5am and try not to stay up too late because again, it repeats at 5am. So these sessions really start to feel like a Groundhog's Day scenario. Um, I would encourage you um, to mix it up. Last winter, or last, I guess, coming out of the winter, so going into last spring, I canceled my Zwift subscription. Um, I watched movies. I, If you don't know this already, I love Star Wars, and I love Harry Potter, and I love Narnia, and I like these, um, basically everything from Disney. I'm a big Disney fan. I'm a uh, Disney fan. Disney file? I don't know if that's a thing. Whatever. Um, But I have canceled Zwift, and if I have a two-hour session, usually a Star Wars movie is between an hour and 45 and two hours and 15 minutes, and I've seen them so many times that now I'm watching them in Spanish with Spanish subtitles and working on my Spanish. So find ways to mix up your your efforts. Find ways to mix mix up um, the, uh, the sessions that you're doing. Uh, watch a movie. I troll on easy days. And if I have an, an hour, uh, easy spin and I'm doing it inside, I will troll YouTube and Chromecast that stuff and just find random YouTube stuff to watch. And I'll try and keep my body as stable. And it all, almost turns into a core exercise where I'm, I'm resting on my TT bike on my elbows while I'm on my phone, while I'm trying to keep my core stable, while I'm pedaling easy for an hour. Um, so it's actually a, a pretty great workout. The other thing I'll do uh, in the wintertime, especially in the wintertime that keeps things new and exciting, is I will do my skills and drills. These are your cadence drills, so high cadence, low cadence, high torque, um, working on that souplesse pedaling, uh, single leg work, 
uh, strength work. I do strength twice a week um, for about an hour and 15 minutes a session. And I do that on top of my training. Um, so like if I have a, you know, if I've got a 14 hour training week, I've got another two hours and, and 30 minutes of, of strength work on top of that. So I, I pile on the strength work on top of my, my training. Um, and that's when I really start to see some gains, isolating body parts, um, doing some fun, silly little drills on the bike and off the bike. Um, I really work a lot with my cadence and I really work a lot with, uh, um, with having a smooth pedal stroke. I think that's very efficient and very key, um, to being a good cyclist, good little cyclist. Um, so yeah, skills and drills. That's the name of the game. Uh, I'll take the mountain bike out occasionally quite a bit. Actually, I'll take the mountain bike quite a bit out in the winter time and, and I'll go to our local park and just run laps around trees and just practice my cornering, um, practice, you know, uh, bunny hopping a log. I am a terrible bunny hopper. Um, I can't do it on flat pedals, but I'm working on it. And this is the time when I do that. I think ultimately, if you really want to have a successful winter session or season, excuse me, um, is to force yourself now early on in the, in the season to get yourself, to get into a routine. It took me about a month um, to get into this routine, but during the week, I'm up at five. <laughs> I have an espresso and a fig bar, which is my le petit déjeuner. Um, and then I ride six to eight or 8.30, home, shower, and then I have a proper breakfast with more espresso, um, and I leave the house work, uh, for work at nine 30, work until six 30, um, ride home dinner, some sort of show right now. We're plowing through star Trek Voyager cause we finished the next generation. Um, yeah, star Trek two, um, in bed by nine 30 or 10. And then we go again, but by now my alarm goes off or the cats wake up cause they know that it's breakfast time at five. Usually they wake me up right about the same time. And, um, and we're in this routine and it took me about a month to establish this where now it's, I don't have to think about it. I'm just up at that time. Um, but it makes for a successful winter season and I know it does. Uh, I've gone through seasons, winter times when it, I don't have a good routine and I struggle. I really struggle to get the volume and get the training in. But, uh, when I do have a routine like this, um, I am largely, uh, more successful come come spring and summer racing season. The other thing I'll do is to get off-road, uh, get a little muddy and enjoy getting a little muddy. Take the mountain bike out, like I said uh, earlier, or I have big, chunky, knobby tires on my uh, winter training bike. And I'll go ride some gravel um, and, and do some exploring. I'll ride the roads I don't normally get to ride. I'll just kind of have fun with it or go places uh, that I don't go very often or try and link up some roads or link up some loops or link link up hills or, or whatnot. So I really try and keep it interesting and keep my mind stimulated to uh, to keep training and, and keep getting these, these uh, volume, high volume sessions in. I also make it a point to commit to my ride. And I, I, it sounds silly of like, well, of course I commit to the ride. I, I suit it up and I'm going to go out, right? But have you ever tried to commit to your ride and start your ride in the rain, knowing that you're going to finish the ride in the rain and every moment in between, it's raining? That's hard. Um, so I really, really try and commit to my ride. I'll put myself out on a longer loop. 
I'll bring, I usually have a bar bag or some sort of bag and have extra stuff with me, be it gloves, food, um, uh, energy gels, I guess that's food uh, or whatnot. But um, I, I accept it and I go and, and I, I will go out in almost anything, um, basically anything short of ice. I don't ride in ice because um, that's terrifying. Um, that's a good way to break a wrist <laughs> or something worse. But um, I really do try and commit to my ride. So I commit to your workout in the wintertime. If it's raining, suck it up. Let's go. Uh, coming out of the season, I know, I, I know, I know, I know. I said earlier, don't, don't, uh, don't look beyond just the singular workout. Compartmentalize. I, I understand what I just said earlier, but planning ahead and having a goal set down the road is also a great tactic to keep moving. So I usually try and plan a training camp um, sometime at the end of February. This last February, I went to Tucson. I rode in the sun. Cost me about 700 bucks for a week. Um, I try and do this on the cheap. So I found super cheap flights early on and an Airbnb that I could cook my food in. Brought my bike and um, it was glorious. Glorious! (laughs) Um, uh, I wanted to have a good training camp, which kept me focused to do the sessions um, in in the darkest of January days to... To look forward to that and so maybe that's something you you think about if you're doing even something locally or you're headed you know head north or south in in geographic proximity to where you are and and plan a weekend way far out in advance or a couple days to to really get in some good focused um, sessions and some good recovery as well that's that's again equally as important okay next topic clothing I'm going to gloss over this and talk a little bit about my favorite bits of kit, but I will begin with, I hate being cold. I run cold. I, I'm always bundled up. I absolutely hate being cold. If I could live in 95 degree heat like a lizard, I would all the time. Um, but I do really like being up in the mountains. So there's some sort of dichotomy there that, that I need to reconcile with when I'm older. But for now... I hate being cold. Um, I'm always and forever in search of the best bit of fall or winter kit um, and summer kit, but right now fall and winter kit to keep me comfortable. My problem, and whether this is uh, gross or not, uh, either turn down the volume or or listen to it anyway. (laughs) My problem is that I sweat a lot. I sweat like a pig. Um, And when my body gets going, my kit needs to be able to manage that heat and that moisture um, as well as the outside temperatures. So, for example, like merino wool does not work for me very well because merino wool does a great job of pulling moisture out and away from the body and holding that moisture and it'll keep you warm even though it's wet problem is is that i heat up so much i sweat so much that i i'm soaked on the climb up i open up my jersey or open up my like uh wind vest or rain jacket or whatnot and then come on the descent i'm trying to cool off because i'm so warm i leave the jersey open but all of that wet soaked kit merino kit just takes away all my, I, I just get evaporative cooling and I lose all my body temperature. So then I'm struggling to try and regulate and be, I'm either too hot or too cold or too hot or too cold. And once I get through a couple of those cycles, I just end up with just overall being too cold. 
So uh, I have searched, I feel like I have searched every nook and cranny of the bicycle industry to find the best kit, and I'm still looking for it. So I will update more as I have more information. But so far, here's what I found that I really like. Um, From the product Defeat, um, their knit gloves um, are absolutely phenomenal. Um, Their knickers and their arm warmers, uh, their socks are great. Uh, they're, they're really nice socks as well. Um, wool socks, non-wool socks. Um, all of their non-wool socks are vegan, which is awesome too. Um, anything that's not wool from Defeat is vegan, which is fantastic. Uh, they make a synthetic sock that is made by HB Stash or Handlebar Mustache. That is my all-time favorite winter sock, uh, uh, period. I also really like some lobster mitts or a hard shell over mitt to put over my Defeat gloves. Um... And there's, there's arm and leg warmers or, and gloves and socks taken care of. Moving on is uh, a wind vest. Oh, man, that is my absolute favorite piece of kit is various forms of wind vests. Some lightweight summer ones, midweight fall uh, and, and um, spring and fall ones, and then uh, winter uh, vest. I really do like a vest. It's very versatile. Um, the last thing is also a tight-fitting hard-shell rain jacket. Uh, the one I've got is from Rafa, and it's a pro-team rain jacket. It f- rolls up and fits in about uh, two-thirds of a pocket. And the reason, reason why I like a tight-fitting one is because it doesn't flap around, especially when you're descending or riding um, at anything over 10 miles an hour. Uh, these loose-fitting rain jackets often flap around, or they're so big and bulky that uh, you feel like you just you, you can't wear them because you're kind of wearing a trash bag. I've tried the Gore ones, um, and effectively this this Rafa one is a Gore-Tex shake-dry jacket, um, and it's it really is good. And a tapered, long drop tail, uh, uh, cycling-specific rain jacket is is key. Um, I'll experiment with different winter bibs. Um, I really like bibs uh, underneath my winter tights, so I feel like um, a winter bib tight also pulls down the chamois pulls down when i'm pedaling a lot which i do a lot of pedaling uh so instead i'll wear um, bib shorts with and then um, put on bib tights over the top of those shorts without a chamois so i'm not doubling up but i get the warmth um, of of the tights while still having the comfort of the bib shorts um socks i said defeat that's my jam um for most of my kit and and this is a shameless plug for um, a, a brand that I am an ambassador for. But I will preface with, I don't like to put my name or be associated with something that I really don't believe in. And these guys do really um, a nice job with their stuff. I would tell you it is some of the best kit in all absolute 100% honesty. This is the best cycling kit I have ever worn. Uh, the company is called Le Petit Velo. And they're a small, um, yeah, I think it's just, a, it's just a husband and wife in this small little town in France. And um, they make just, it, they consider it luxury cycling wear. The fit is phenomenal. The arms are long. They come down to your elbow. The sleeves on the um, are long. They come down to your elbows for the short sleeve jerseys. The technical fabrics are phenomenal. They breathe super well. Long in the torso, either a full zip or a three-quarter zip. Um, their wind vest is one of my favorite pieces of kit. I, I wear it 
three or four times where it gets just so stinky and gross, but I'm, I, I, all I want to do is wear this, this wind vest. Um, their socks are really nice too. I do like the defeat socks as well, but, um, the Le Petit Velo has arguably the best chamois I have also ever worn. Fits like a glove. Um, and it is really just body mapped super well. So if you're interested in looking at some winter kit or fall kit or some just kit in general, um, this is the best stuff I have ever worn and I will continue to wear it. Um, they do offer a little bit of a discount if you were to go and buy some stuff. Everything is in euros, but it's a hundred euros and it ships free anywhere in the world. Um, so you, you can get their stuff pretty cheap. Uh, usually bibs are, are reasonable and jerseys are also reasonable. Uh, if you want to get a little bit of a discount, you can use the code Andrew. Uh, it gets you 15% off your order. You can enter, enter that in the discount page. Um, but yeah, Le Petit Velo, absolutely, bar none, the best cycling kit I have ever worn. And I've been on it all summer long. Um, this has been a recent partnership uh, working with them and, and representing them. And I am I'm so excited. They're about to drop uh, sometime this month in November. So follow them on Instagram um, or on Facebook at Le Petit Velo. Uh, they're about to drop their new season of kit. And I'm very excited to get my hands on some of that and show that off. Um, and, and really, it's, it's so technical and so well-made. Uh, I haven't had any problems at all with any of their kit. The last bit is we're working our way down head to tail, um, <laughs> or head to toe, tail if you have one, I don't know, um, would be shoe covers. And I go back and forth where I have shoes that I wear shoe covers with, but really for winter riding, get a set of used or super cheap SPD mountain bike uh, pedals and suck it up and buy a pair of Gore-Tex SPD winter shoes. You will not regret it. They're heavy, they're clunky, they're bulky, but your feet will be warm no matter what the condition. And I'm talking complete and utter deluge for five or six hours at a time. Feet are soaked, but they are warm. I'm talking um, 10 degrees and snowing and your feet are warm. Um, Get a set of Gore-Tex SPD winter shoes. Most companies make them. Find a pair you like. You will, you won't regret this purchase. <laughs> you really, really won't. By the time I finally got a pair, this is probably going 10 years on of my cycling endeavor. Um, by the time I finally got a pair of Gore-Tex winter shoes, I don't know why I suffered with shoe covers for so long. On dry rides, I'll wear shoes. And if I want to keep my, my toes um, warm, I'll, I'll put shoe covers on, sure. But for the, the really nasty days, Having a set of these um, uh, waterproof cycling shoes is is absolutely essential. So two other pieces of kit that I use. Actually, let me say, rephrase that. Three other pieces of kit. No, just kidding. This is the Spanish Inquisition. Four, four, four other pieces of kit that I use um, is a good cap. I really like wearing a cap, either something that covers your ears or not. Um, find a company that you like. I really like the ones from Rothera. They're made in the U.S. They're made in in Austin, Texas. I believe Austin. Yeah, Austin, Texas for Rothera caps. Um, Rafa also makes some really nice caps, but they're awfully expensive unless you can find them on clearance or something. Um, But Rothera caps are fun and really well-fitting and really well-made, and they're made in the U.S. 
I also almost never leave uh, the house on a ride without some sort of a neck gaiter or a snood or a balaclava or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's perfect for perfect for keeping the chill off your face um, and your neck warm. Um, help to pro- avoid some of that pursuiter's cough. It um, just gives you a little extra insulation. And especially these days when um, in Oregon here, we are mandated to wear a mask anytime you enter a building. Um, it can double as that if you fold it over um, and don't have to carry a mask with you. But um, if you had to stop in somewhere for whatever reason. But uh, moreover, it's it's for it's for comfort while you're riding is um, is kind of really uh, why I wear that neck gaiter all the time. Um, put it up over your mouth on descents. You can put it over your mouth and your nose, um, so you're pretty much covered up on these cold, wet, nasty descents when you're when you're riding. Um, okay, so that was I said four pieces. So that was one. This is two. Uh, eyewear. They keep your face warm. I would recommend get a pair with a good size lens that's interchangeable. So you've got a clear lens, a maybe a yellow lens, and maybe a dark lens or something like that for different riding conditions. Or photochromatic is a great way to go. Um, I've been on riding a pair of 100% sunglasses for a while, and I really like them. But you have to find a pair that works for you. For example, I had a pair of uh, Smith, uh, what were they called? They were Pivlock sunglasses. Nice, really nice, uh, frameless um Smith sunglasses, interchangeable lenses. I had a stack of lenses um, with them as well. And there was something about the lens shape that just never worked with with my face. Sweat would drain straight into my eyes, which I don't have with any other sunglasses. And if I looked to the side into a headwind, it would rip out a contact. And the first time it happened, I thought it was a fluke. But the second is like, um, you know, uh, first time it happened, shame on uh, shame on you a second time it's shame on me um, but the third time it, it pulled out another contact and I would look to the side and somehow it would channel the air and it would pull out a contact so while being very expensive great sunglasses they did not work for me um, but I have been riding on these 100% um, has some speed trap model and a Glendale model both of them interchangeable lenses and they they work really well for me Oakley makes great pairs you can find some some knockoff pairs. They don't have to be fancy. They don't have to be crazy expensive to um, to to work for you. But having having a good pair of sunglasses with interchangeable lenses, and I like a big shield lens too, um, versus some small individual uh, lenses, keeps your face warmer um, and just makes life a little bit more comfortable when you're riding. So so I said four. That was one. That was two. Number three is going to be um, lights. And I consider this a piece of essential kit for riding year-round, but especially in the in the wintertime. And get a good set of lights, especially a rear light. Hands down, uh, my favorite one is a Bontrager Ion. Um, it's an Ion front light and a flare, Bontrager flare rear light. Um, they're super bright and... Um, I run the rear light daytime or nighttime, morning, evening, whatever. Any time of day I'm on the bike, I'm running this this Bontrager Flare rear light um, because it's it's great to be seen. It's great for, for other road users to be able to see you from a ways out and anticipate you and anticipate what they're going to do because what's really not cool is getting hit by cars. Uh, really not cool. Nobody likes it. Everyone hates it. Um, <laughs> you better go eat some worms. But um, 
yeah, super not cool to get hit by cars. So ride with a light. Um, I feel like I go pretty fast on the road bike, at least uh, when I ride locally. And um, I always like passing people with my blinky rear lights when they don't have one. And I'm that fast guy that drops them with a, with a, uh, a blinky rear light. So be that person, be the one with the light. Uh, same if you're a runner is when I'm out in the mornings at, you know, five, six o'clock ish in the morning, it's dark out. And, uh, when I'm cruising at, you know, 20 to 25 miles an hour on the bike, uh, and you are running without any lights, you are absolutely and completely invisible. And I can't anticipate you fast enough because I come up on you so quickly. Um, if you are out walking your dog, if you are out anytime at night, reflective clothing only gets you so far. Have a light, let people anticipate you and expect where you're going to be. Please have lights. Please, 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 please. I beg you. Okay, last piece is a bar bag, something small and convenient that'll attach to your handlebars or maybe even something behind your stem or onto your frame. But I, I do really like a really small micro bar bag. Put extra kit, extra gloves, warm gloves that you put like out for a long ride. Your hands are soaked. You've got in a Ziploc waterproof, in a Ziploc bag, uh, a change of gloves that will make your ride. Um, extra food, food that you don't normally have access to. Um, I always try and eat real food in the wintertime. So I'll make like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or bring along cookies or um, sometimes we'll make waffles in the mornings on the weekends and I'll bring a couple waffles with me. But um, some of those things that are kind of the contingency items uh, that you can put in your bar bag and then pull out that just makes your your deluge ride just a little more enjoyable. Um with, with dealing with the cold and, and kind of getting your body through this. Uh, there are some extras that I will talk about, uh, not in this episode, but I'll put it in the show notes as far as what I carry on the bicycle uh, in terms of my um, my flat repair kit um, and, and whatnot. But um, I will put that in the show notes and won't bore you with that uh, today. I could go deep in the weeds and teach a whole bike clinic. Um, I have taught many years of bike clinics and um, I don't think this is the time to do that right now. So we will move on. So the final topic today is we've talked about how to get through the winter. We've talked about um, some of the kit to wear in the winter. Um, Let's talk about how to find motivation when you're struggling to find motivation in the winter. So these are some of my own anecdotes. I really tried to look for, I don't know, some some good stories to tell or some good stories to talk about uh, for some other riders specifically or other athletes specifically. And it's not that there aren't aren't those stories out there. What I found is that there are so many stories out there. And it was difficult to try and pick just one. So I ruminated on this for a little while and I realized that what I do when I'm struggling for motivation in the wintertime is, and this is, this is really simple, is I will hop onto YouTube, I will type in athlete motivation and I will watch as many athlete motivation clips as I can because there's so, there are thousands, tens of thousands of stories out there. Of, of how athletes, you know, 
they call it the grind. You get through the grind and, and all this stuff. And there's some really great clips out there that I love to watch. And they've become my wintertime, like, I think of them as kind of a recalibration motivation technique. Of I will um, watch these videos a couple times over again. And, and then I'll have a little bit more of a pick-me-up. I'll feel a little better. I'll feel a little more motivated. I'm serious. You hop onto YouTube and you type in athlete motivation or cycling motivation or other sports that you enjoy watching. Um, sailing motivation. That's a good one is I look up uh, sailing motivation and there's all these clips put out of how hard like right now the Vendee Globe is going on, um, which is just this gnarly solo um, uh, uh, yacht race. And um, if you don't follow it, I, I don't follow it very tightly, but um, I always try and keep tabs on it. Um, the Vendee Globe is a phenomenal race. There have been met- multiple books around it, but um, it is just grueling, and people either don't survive or they don't finish. Most people don't don't finish this. Several people often die, um, and it is just a... Um, if you're feeling like you need someone to, to show you how how their how much worse their struggle is, go watch some videos on the Vendee Globe. Um, so yeah, I'll watch type athlete motivation or sailing motivation, um, rock climbing motivation. That's a good one. Um, having a, been a rock climber in the past, and hopefully will once again become a rock climber in the future. Um, that's another one I like to watch. Or climbing competitions; those are fun. Um, so yeah, I. I do that in the wintertime. I do that a lot in the wintertime. And maybe it's an addiction or a dependency um, where I just keep going back to this for more to feel good. And there's this like shot of dopamine and serotonin that comes in after I watch these videos. But um, but that's okay. It, it keeps me going through the winter. And, and I accept that. And I know, like, I know I don't watch these in the summertime because I'm too excited to ride outside and be hot and sweaty and, um, get those silly tan lines that are very hard earned, um, in the summertime. But it's the winter when I struggle with motivation. And when I think a lot of us struggle with motivation, we kind of, you know, fall off the wagon a little bit. So, it's not just the compartmentalization. It's not just setting these goals or having these activities to do or riding off-road or, or, or whatnot. There, there are so many things that you can do. And that's the thing, I think, overall and overarching is to keep it, uh, uh, give yourself a variety of things to do that keep it fun and exciting. So you can just focus on, on the one session at a time, but each session is fun and new and unique or something you haven't done in a while. Um, you feel a little more adventurous. And, and I think when you get through a week of that, you feel a little empowered. And when you get through two weeks of that, you feel even more empowered and more confident that you can complete this this winter season. And I hope you can. I hope you stay on the train. I hope that you, well, as always, stay on target. And um, I'm going to end this episode by just telling you, like I said in the beginning, that this will be the end of season one. I am probably going to take a week I, I will rephrase this. I will commit to this. I'm going to take a week um, off as I rewrite uh, the plan for season two. And um, then we'll be back to um, once a week or once every two weeks, but longer episodes of maybe over an hour or, or two hour episodes. We'll see. Um, I'm going to try to figure out a format that works best. Uh, I have thoroughly um, been humbled and have thoroughly enjoyed uh, how everyone has tuned in and engaged with me on this little project. I do really enjoy making them. Um, uh, 
and I'm looking for new, new and exciting things that will kind of keep it, uh, keep it fresh for you and, and for me as well. So this is not only uh, something for you to listen to, but this is also my process in trying to qualify for the 2024 Paris Olympic Games. And I believe with every fiber of my being that I can compete at this level. I just need the opportunity. And so I'm going to do everything in my power to try and make that opportunity a reality. With that, I will leave you with these three things uh, to consider for the next week or so. One, stay on target. Two, I ask you to try something new this winter. And three, be sure to tell all of your friends about this podcast. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Not Last Podcast. Be sure to subscribe. New episodes drop weekly, more or less. Follow us on Instagram at notlast underscore podcast. This podcast is produced solely by me. If you like what you hear, be sure to tell your friends, all of your friends. Please, I beg you. The music is generously permitted by the illustrious Flamingosis, and my amazing artwork was created by the extremely talented Paige Anochibar. Give them a follow and be sure to support local artists. You can find and subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google, and Stitcher Podcasts. Really, anywhere that you get your podcasts, you can subscribe to this. So please do. That is the end of Season 1. This has been Episode 12. And I look forward to writing new content and having new adventures uh, with you as I share my journey towards... uh, What am I going towards? Oh yeah, towards the Olympics. (laughs) Okay, until next time.